Good morning, everyone, and welcome to today's focus for Saturday, February the 4th, 2023, at 9.46 a.m. Central Time. Today's focus, Little Tony's Walk to School. That is today's focus, Little Tony's Walk to School. Okay, if I'm being honest, it's really about sermon illustrations, but we're going to talk about Little Tony's Walk to School because I heard it as a sermon illustration this morning, and as soon as I heard the sermon illustration, I was like, That's what we're talking about on the Today's Focus podcast series. So are you ready? Let's talk about sermon illustrations. Then we'll talk about Little Tony's Walk to School. Sermon illustrations. If you've ever listened to a sermon, you know that there are times the pastor will try to provide some kind of illustration, and the motivation is usually good, right? You're using an illustration to try to help you understand a point, right? You make some theological point. You're trying to talk about some doctrine. You're, you're talking about maybe a scripture. You've exegeted the scripture. You've tried to interpret the scripture. But sometimes you need to illustrate the scripture so that people really get it. They really understand it. Now, maybe people don't actually need the illustration. Maybe it's just pastors thinking, you know what? I, I don't think they get it yet. I don't think they understand yet. And and sometimes you'll, sometimes you come up with the illustration right on the spot, right? You're preaching and then all of a sudden you think, wow, that illustration would really clarify this. This would really bring light to it. Other times, pastors really plan out their illustration, right? They consider it, they think about it, they they write it, they practice it. Some, you may not like to know this, they buy their sermon illustrations. I get a number of emails probably at least once a week from different companies that will say, you know, here's a pack of a hundred sermon illustrations sure to engage your people and get their attention and make what you're preaching come to light. And so either they buy them, they write them, or you come up, you know, on the spot with them. But you're, the motivation is, is usually good. You're really trying to bring light. You're trying to bring clarity. You're trying to bring understanding. And at sometimes I think sermon illustrations work. Sometimes I think they go horribly wrong. Sometimes people remember the illustration, but they don't even really remember the spiritual truth the illustration was trying to get everyone to focus on, right? Sometimes the illustration gets in the way and people walk away. At one time, I I gave a sermon illustration about, I, you know, I live here in West Texas and not far from me is a lake and around that lake, there's all of these like little dirt paths. And when it rains and there's mud, people bring their trucks out there to go mudding, right? They're, you know, driving through the mud. Well, over and over and over, they'll end up getting stuck. And so they'll be like, you know, they have to, you know, pay someone to come out there to trying to pull them out. So I used a sermon illustration about getting stuck in the mud, right? Getting stuck in the mud. Now, everyone loved the sermon illustration. They were laughing. They thought it was great. They thought it was wonderful. And afterward, ev- afterwards, everyone was talking about the sermon illustration. And all of a sudden, it made me realize everyone remembers the illustration. I don't think they remember what I was illustrating. They remember the illustration, but they don't remember the point I was trying to illustrate. And so at that point, 
the sermon illustration actually was harmful and got in the way. I mean, I, I mean, it was funny. It was great. Everyone loved it. But it, I mean, how great is it if no one remembers what the point you were trying to make? And even today, after all of these years, people still remember that sermon illustration. They don't remember what text I was preaching. They don't remember the point I was making, but they remember the story of people getting stuck in the mud, right? That's, and so now I realize that wasn't a success, that was not a successful sermon illustration because it actually distracted from the truth. It didn't bring clarity to the truth. It distracted. Now, maybe someone heard it and it did, but it, it appears from all of the information that I was able to gather after the sermon that people just remembered the illustration. So sermon illustrations are good at times if they bring great clarity, right? You're sitting there, you're like, okay, I don't think I quite understand. Okay, what point is he trying to make? And then all of a sudden someone gives a sermon uh, illustration and you're like, boom, the light comes on. And you're like, I get it now. Wow, I never understood that the spiritual truth was always hard for me to grasp, but that illustration brought clarity. That's how you want it to work. But the reality is obviously preaching is, I mean, there it's an, uh, it's an imperfect science when it comes to preaching, when trying to convey spiritual truth. And sometimes our, our best ideas turn out to be very bad ideas. But what if, Sermon illustrations are guilty of leading to a misunderstanding of God. What if sermon illustrations misrepresent God? What when it when it's over, your sermon was a misrepresentation of God? You misrepresented God. That would be horrible, and I would think hopefully all preachers would be like, I don't want to do that, but I think inadvertently we can do that. We we come up with this wonderful story that touches the heartstring, and everyone loves it, but did you walk away with it a correct understanding of God or not? How many times have you listened to a sermon and felt that God was misrepresented in the sermon? Let me give you an extreme. Let me give you an example. I was going to say, let me give you an extreme example. You will have to determine if it's extreme. You may think this is the greatest illustration you've ever heard. I find it somewhat, well, clearly misrepresenting, and I think maybe somewhat troublesome. But you can draw your own conclusions. Here's how the sermon illustration goes. I'm going to make it my own, so I'm going to be paraphrasing. Obviously, I did not write it down word for word, and I don't have the audio of it but it's just something I heard early this morning listening to Christian radio. Are you ready? Here we go. A little boy named Tony. He started going to school, and every day his mother walked little Tony to school. He walked him to to school. She was there waiting for him when he got out of school to walk him home. Every day she walked him to school, walked him home, walked him to school, walked him home. If she could not be there, she paid one of the teenagers in the neighborhood to walk him to school and to walk him back. Every day, somebody was there walking little Tony to school. Now, he's still little. 
And he decides, no, 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 mom, no, mom. I don't want you walking me to school anymore. I'm, I'm too big to be walked to school. I'm, I'm too big. Stop it. I don't want you to do so. And, and the mom was like, okay. So she decided, you know what? I'm going to let little Tony walk to school completely by himself. So little Tony walks to school. There's these busy streets he has to cross. He's super careful. He walks to school. He walks home. And every day he he does that. He feels this great sense of accomplishment, of pride, of independence. He He's doing it. And years later at a big family get together, he's telling everyone about when he was little, how he would walk to school by himself and that he didn't need anybody. And he was independent, even though he was so young and other people still had their moms walking them to school. He was doing it alone because he learned from an early age how to be independent and how to take care of things by himself. And at that point at this family gathering his mother begins to laugh and says, oh, Tony, 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 Tony. Yes, I let you walk to school. You thought you were alone, but I want you to know I was following you. As soon as you walked out the door, I followed you from a distance because I wanted to make sure that you were safe. I was right there watching over you. I was right there to help you if you were in any trouble. I was right there to help you if you had anything you needed. And I would be there after school waiting, walking, and I walked behind you. You didn't see me, but I was right there. Oh, what a heartwarming story, right? Does it touch your heartstrings? Now, the sermon illustration was used to demonstrate that when, as we walk through life, we never walk alone. God is right there with us. He's right there walking with us. No matter how independent we may think we are, no matter how much we think we are alone, God is right there with us. As we cross the busy streets of life, God is right there with us. And, And people were like, amen. And they loved it. And oh, beautiful. Now, what do you think? You think that misrepresents God? Now, in one way, there's a truth to it, right? God is omnipresent. He is with us. If we are Christians, he indwells us. He will never leave us or forsake us. There is a truth that God is present. But here's the problem. It gives this impression that God is like a a, a mother with this maternal instinct to be right there for you and to rush in and help you anytime you need. It creates this idea that, hey, God God is right there. And if, if you fall or if this happens or this happens, God is right there to scoop you up and to pick you up and to care for you and to protect you. Because we know how a mother would work if she's watching her child walk to school. The minute that child almost got in danger, the mother would have come out of the bushes saying, no, 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 Tony, Tony, stop, stop, stop. No, 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 Tony. No, no, no. Get away from my son. She would have been right there to protect. She would have been right there to make sure that little Tony was okay. Even if it ruined his idea of being independent, she would have, she would not have stood back and watched anything happen to her son. So this gives the idea that that's how it is with God. Now, I'm about to say some things that's going to make people extremely uncomfortable. And people are not going to like what I'm going to say. But the one thing I've tried to always do in theology and in the Christian life is to be very honest and real about those things that we don't like to talk about and to be very honest and real about things that make us uncomfortable. 
See, when we turn God into a a mother with these great maternal instincts to look after us and to care for us, it creates an impression that God will be right there and he will jump out of the bushes at any moment to protect us and to look after us. But let's just talk about the stark realities of life. And I'm going to say these things in a very blunt way. God, the eternal God, is more than just a mother with maternal instincts. Because guess what? He's all-powerful, all-knowing. So this God, not only can he see, not only does he know what's going to happen, he can stop anything from happening at any moment in time. But this eternal, all-powerful, all-knowing God, who we want to create this romanticized idea that he's like a mother with these great maternal instincts that's ready to jump out of the bushes to protect us because he's he's giving us a sense of independence, but he's there to look after us. Let's just get very honest. That God has been right there as a woman is being raped by maybe her pastor or spiritual leader. That God is right there while children are being molested by a pastor or spiritual leader. That God is right there when a church excommunicates a wife and the husband is found guilty of sexually molesting their children and the church supports the husband and never changes the excommunication of the wife. God is right there. When you slowly, slowly die of cancer, God is right there when you are a child being beaten and abused by your parents. God is right there as people live in horrible, horrible third world conditions and starve and die. Nobody likes to talk about that. Christianity wants to create the picture that God is the, is the, the doting mother right there watching little Tony walk to school and ready to rush out at any moment. Go, no, no, Tony, 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 don't, don't, don't step in the street. Don't, there's a truck coming. But the reality is God is there and all of these horrible things can happen. Horrible diseases, rape, sexual, sexually molested. Murder, kidnappings, poverty, death from all kinds of other things. Now, I do believe God is omnipresent. I'm not ever questioning that. I do believe God is present. But see, we can misrepresent God in an illustration by making it out like that. He's going to be right there to take care of all of the problems. But I'm sorry, that's not the way it works. I, I, I mean, I've seen it multiple times where a, a, a bus full of young people, teenagers coming back from a church camp is involved in a horrible crash and multiple, many of those children die. God was right there. A girl who I went to school with. One of the first kind of Christians that I kind of got to know, Right. I mean, I definitely didn't agree with her theology, but, you know, she would have told you she believed in Jesus and she tried to live out her Christian faith as much as she could in the school. And she constantly, constantly got picked on and picked on. And even though I wasn't a Christian, I I stood up for her, defended her, told everyone to back off. And basically, if you mess with her, you had to mess with me. 
you know, we weren't like good friends, We, but I would just be there. And sometimes I would protect her and she didn't even see, see it or understand. It. I just don't like people being picked on. Well, one day after school, she goes over the railroad tracks, leaving Tuscola, heads to what we call the Y in Tuscola, right? 83, 84 highway splits. One, one road goes uh, straight into Tuscola. The other one heads, I think, towards uh, Coleman. And it's the, the back way I head to my church. So I'm very familiar with the Y. I've, I've driven, uh, you know, I've, I've driven there a bazillion times in my life because since I grew up in this area. She gets somewhere near the Y, and for some weird reason, she, I think she thinks she she forgot something at school or something. She, from according to the news report, she tried to make it like a, a U-turn and got hit by a semi. Boom, dead. 16 years of age, dead, gone. My person I definitely knew rode the school bus with him. He was uh, being severely abused by his parents. I mean, severe. I mean, I thought my abuse was bad. His was horrifying. His was horrible, 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 horrible. And report report cards came out. And he was going to have, his grade was somewhere in the 60s. I think it was, it was really close to like a 70, very close to a 70. But he knew that if it wasn't a 70 or above, he was, he was going to go home and be beaten. He knew it was going to be horrible. He knew it was going to be bad. And so he was all worried about it, all worried, upset about it, upset about it, upset about it. And right when he gets ready to get off the bus, he says to me, goodbye. It was weird. It wasn't like, hey, later, you know, it was goodbye. I didn't process it at all. Didn't process it in any way, shape, or form. I go home. We're playing uh, football with some people in the neighborhood. All of a sudden, ambulances, an ambulance goes by. And now we're, you know, little town. You don't see an ambulance ever. And no, nobody thinks about it. And then we get the news that he said goodbye, got off the bus, and hung himself. I mean, I can go from tragedy to tragedy to tragedy to tragedy to pain to suffering to death to disease to despair to discouragement depression. I can go dark, 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 dark stories, even for my own life or any other life. And so can you. So when we create a sermon illustration, because we want people to understand God is there, but we use a doting mother with these maternal instincts to follow her kid to school, to be right there, to ready to rush out at any time to protect him, does that not misrepresent God? How are the people who hear that going to leave thinking, God is right there. He's right with me. He's right there. He's watching over us. And then boom, they get hit by a semi and die on their way home from church. Or two members of the family die and someone ends up paralyzed. See, we have to reconcile the reality that an all-powerful, all-knowing, omniscient God, right? Omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient, that that's the God we worship. That's the God we serve. This God who knows the beginning from the end. That God that we pray to. I, I often bring this up and and people don't like it, but but it is something that's very hard to comprehend, right? When a horrible tragedy occurs 
And, and the, look, I know these are uncomfortable truths and I, nobody, I know nobody wants to talk about them. The problem is the Christians don't want to talk about it, but secular lost people, agnostic and atheists, they will talk about these issues because they, it troubles them in regards to Christianity. But it's something that as Christians, we, we, try, we, we either try to ignore or we try to come up with some bumper sticker answer to it. But there aren't easy answers. I want you to think about this. When horrible tragedy occurs and people say, pray about this tragedy, we're praying about the very God who allowed the tragedy, who didn't intervene to stop the tragedy, and dare I say, was a part of his eternal decrees. Hey, this horrible thing happened. I need you to pray about it. Okay, so you, you want me to pray to the God who didn't stop it. You want to pray, pray to the God who allowed it. You want to pray to the God who... In some way, that, that's, that's a troubling thing that nobody likes. So I understand we like to create these sermon illustrations, but if you create a sermon illustration that kind of gives this romanticized view of God, you almost create a, 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 a dare I say, a graven image. Dare I say you create a false image of God that's not accurate, not really accurate. Because we know how a mother would uh, would work. You look, anyone listening to me who's a mother, you know what would happen if you're following your child to school. You know the minute you you jump out, get, you would protect, you would lay down your life, you would die, you would do everything for that child. Well, when we create an image that God is like that mother walking with us through the difficulties of life, God is there. And the cancer doesn't go away. God is there and your mother still dies. God is there and your father still dies of cancer. God is there. I'll use this one straight from the news. Olive wasn't resurrected. Bethel Church, remember the little girl who died? They were going to raise Olive. She wasn't raised. Even in the Bible, we, we, we are confronted with this very uncomfortable reality, right? Jesus, God incarnate. Just, just today, focus on, on the, this harsh reality that we, we cannot create a graven image of God. We, sermon illustrations misrepresent God and basically create a graven image, I think, at times. But just, just deal with this very harsh reality, even from a scriptural standpoint. Here's John the Baptist. Right? John the Baptist, this, this great prophet pointing everyone to, I must decrease, he must increase. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus himself even testified that John was like the, uh, the greatest prophet, the greatest man born of a woman. All these w- wonderful words about John the Baptist, but when John the Baptist goes to prison, He's not delivered. Jesus doesn't even show up. He sends word to him. He doesn't even go visit him. And John the Baptist is beheaded. While Judas, or while uh, Lazarus, not Judas, while Lazarus is resurrected. John the Baptist beheaded, Lazarus resurrected. How, how do you, how do you, how do you, I mean, 
I, I, do you not struggle with that? Well, wait, why, why wouldn't you go help John the Baptist? Why wouldn't you get him out of prison? Why wouldn't you do something? Why anything? No. Dies. Lazarus, he, he, now Lazarus dies, but he does show up and he's resurrected. There's this reality within the Christian life that God has power. God knows. But the reality is he's not like that doting mother with maternal instincts to come rushing in. Because unknown to you and unknown to me, there's some kind of sovereign plan that sometimes makes absolutely no sense. And if you can't understand that, and if you can't embrace that, your Christian life is headed for a trouble because at some point you're going to, the realities of life are going to become so overwhelming and you're not going to be able to understand it. You got to deal with this like right from the start. And sermon illustrations don't help when we give this idea because how would some, a lot of people interpret that? Hey, God is with us today. We have nothing to worry about. He's, he's, he's over there in the bushes and he'll, he'll jump out whenever we need him. I mean, God will intervene, even, even from a scriptural standpoint. It's like John the Baptist, nothing. Lazarus, he's there. When, when Sarah, Abraham's wife, Sarai, when she gets, you know, because Abraham lies and she gets put in these awkward situations where she could end up, you know, <laughs> you know basically a physical relationship could have occurred between her and the men who were like, okay, I'm going to take this woman to be my wife, right? Something could have happened. God intervened in those situations to stop it from happening. God did not do anything to intervene for David, did he? Did he not? Could he not have stopped David from his sin? Couldn't God have intervened so that her husband wasn't killed? When we create a sermon illustration, we do so because we want to clarify. We want to bring greater understanding. We can't allow a sermon illustration to actually lead to a misunderstanding, a confusion, to, to give people an expectation that's not real and even more dangerous we can't allow our sermon illustration to misrepresent God and to go so far as to create a false image, a graven image of God that's not an accurate representation. I'd love to get your thoughts on these very difficult concepts, and you can email them to me, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com. And this has been your Today's Focus for Saturday, February the 4th, 2023. Don't forget, Tony's Walk to School.